0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Council of Elrond, a Lord of the Rings podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be taking a closer look at the dragons of Middle-earth. We are all familiar with the character of Smaug, the dragon from the book The Hobbit, and brought to life on the big screen fantastically well by Benedict Cumberbatch, but do you know anything about the other dragons who roamed Middle-earth? Today, we shall find out all there is to know about Smaug the Stupendous, the unassessably wealthy dragon king under the mountain, and also we will find out more about other even more fierce dragons thought up in the great mind of Professor Tolkien. I'm Johnny, and I'm here with my co-host and brother Dave. So let's get into today's podcast. So welcome. And hello, Dave. How are you? Are you excited to talk about dragons? Yes, very excited. Are you excited to teach me? Yes, we're, we're all excited to talk about dragons here. So uh, first of all, are you a big fan of the dragons in Game of Thrones? Oh yeah,
1: I loved the dragons in Game of Thrones and very excited for House of the Dragon where it seems like we're going to get even more dragons and bigger dragons. So, uh, and, and, and I actually loved the way they looked in Game of Thrones. They looked unbelievable. They're probably, uh, small, yeah. was pretty good, but... I don't know, smog or Game of Thrones. I can't tell which dragons look better. Maybe smog.
0: Well, again, I mean, i well. Smog was amazing, and uh, I mean, I've gone back and I've watched a few of the scenes again with smog just in preparation for this episode to to look at some different details. But um, of course, that was about maybe eight years before the dragons were really um, you know uh, big and fully grown on Game of Thrones. What year uh, was Game of Thrones out? Well, well its last year was. 2019 wasn't it so about 20 2017 2018 i suppose was when they were like starting to feature uh, and they were getting like a big budget on them so they looked so cool in that and like you know all the details their yeah. scales their uh, expressions yeah
1: well they were featuring when they were bigger i suppose because they were that's what i mean like yeah yeah, yeah.
0: we got yeah. them in season yeah, one. when they were smaller you couldn't see so many details but yeah we got them in season one but they were just sure. little little snappers um a lizard. So yeah, basically dragons are cool and we all love dragons. So, But firstly, we should recognize that there are many types of dragons in Tolkien's Middle Earth. There were the typical ones we all think of, the flying, fire-breathing beasts, and who also talk uh, in Tolkien's Middle Earth. But there were also wingless, worm-like dragons, and also dragons which did not breathe fire, also known as cold drakes. There are also other writings that speak about spark dragons, which emitted light and fish dragons or sea serpents, a group to which the watcher in the water may have been part, but that's a debate for another time. So to kick things off, we're gonna first look at where the dragons came from. And I'm gonna throw it over to you, Dave, and see if you have any idea on this. So where did the dragons come from? How did they come to be on Middle Earth? Ooh. Do you mean like where were they thought of by Tolkien or like literally? No, in no, his I world? mean I mean literally in his world. At the beginning, there were no dragons and oh. suddenly there were dragons. So how would, any idea?
1: Oh, I haven't, I haven't, the foggiest. Probably Morgoth had something to do with them. Like, mm-hmm. mm, okay. <laughs> That's just a guess. I'm like, <laughs> it's like uh, anything bad, the devil had something to do with it. Uh Yeah. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm guessing Morgoth had uh, some part to play. He probably, I don't know, uh, similar to the Balrogs, probably just like, shot them into the into the world or sang them into existence or whatever he had to do but uh I I don't really know
0: sure okay yeah well um yeah you're 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 pretty much on the money with thinking that what whatever is evil in the world (laughs) probably got something to do with Morgoth yeah so he was obviously in the very beginning of time when the Valar were all singing and all and the Ainur and all that kind of stuff um Morgoth was the the evil one who was singing his evil tunes and all Mm. that kind of stuff but um, that's maybe that's uh, that's going too much into detail in this in in this situation. Morgoth. Now we should also remember that Morgoth didn't have the power to create life, uh, even though he was the most powerful Vala. Only Iluvatar, who was the god of Middle Earth or the god of Tolkien's world, ah. had the power to create life. So the Valar could never create life, but they could sort of uh, change things that already existed and things like that. So basically. Um, Morgoth is the one who first brought the dragons to Middle-earth. And how did he do that? Well, we're not too sure, to be honest. But it's most possible that there were other sort of reptilian creatures and he would have mutilated and corrupted these types of creatures and then bred them to become his dragons. So we don't really know exactly uh, what the original uh, thing would have been. Similar to how the orcs came to be and things like that, how they were corrupted from other species that existed because, as I said again, they couldn't create life. Only the main god could create life. So another uh, possible thing is that they could have been fell Maiar spirits, like the Balrogs, who you mentioned before. And there are some good arguments online to, to say why that they uh, why the dragons could have been Maiar spirits. Uh, remember, Maiar would just be one level below uh, the Valar, which is what Morgoth was. Morgoth yeah. was a Valar. Um, so some of the arguments for why they could be Maiar is that the dragons served Morgoth, but perhaps they wouldn't have served Sauron, who was also a Maya. Yeah. Uh, they're very magical in nature and they have strange powers that we don't see in other beings like hypnosis and mind control. Um, they also know things that other beings just wouldn't be able to sense. And they have enormous strength and are incredibly t- intelligent. So they have a lot of um, attributes, I suppose, that maybe you wouldn't see in just a normal, regular being on Middle-Earth, like other creatures that were twisted and tormented, like orcs and uruk They weren't as intelligent and didn't have so many like cool powers and things as the dragons did. So, um, yeah, basically we don't know, but we can speculate, and those are a couple of good uh, possibilities.
1: Yeah, and I think... Uh, I. Uh before you brought brought up the the two words um manipulated and corrupted I, w- I was thinking along those lines maybe they were just some other sort of giant beings in middle earth that were corrupted by Morgoth um but then again not all dra- like when you look at smog especially if you're just looking at the the, the book, I don't know, does he feature in anything else other than the Hobbit? But he, does, he doesn't He does strike you as like an evil person. He's a, or sorry, an evil beast. He's a greedy, greedy dragon mm. nonetheless. But he seems fair when Bilbo goes to like talk to him. He seems to kind of like be negotiating. And then eventually he's like, ah, I'm kind of, I'm bored of you. I, I think I'll just eat you now. Or, or he, he thinks he's a thief. And so he seems quite reasonable. He's yeah. not like mm. fully Sauron, Morgoth-esque and just like is evil for evil's sake.
0: Yeah, and he's yeah, no, I agree. He's not like he's trying to he's, he's not looking for world domination. He's just yeah. trying to be greedy and like like you know, uh be the king of his lair and keep all of his gold, I suppose. But um so yeah, that's 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 definitely a possibility. And like, you know, there could have been I mean, we have um I was going to say Kimono, not Kimono dragons. We have uh, Komodo dragons, uh on, <laughs> oh, yeah. on, 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 uh, on, on, not this. Uh, well, not on Middle Earth. We have it on. Uh, we have Komodo dragons on this Earth. Oh, so <laughs> maybe there were other creatures like that. Yeah, well, we don't have them in, in Galway or anything. Uh, but maybe um, there were some creatures like that that uh, Morgoth got his hands on. And there's also a lot of things that uh, there's a lot of arguments to say that the Valar couldn't create life, but what they could do is almost impart some of their own life and some of their own spirit into other things. Mm. And that's another thing that we will see with these dragons, that sometimes there were a couple of mentions in different books where a dragon spoke and uh, or a dragon laughed and people say that it was the voice or the laughter of Morgoth that they could hear coming out of the dragon. Wow, well, yeah. Now, sometimes you can just say, oh, well, maybe that's just uh, people saying, oh, he would be similar to his master or he's doing it in the same way. But other people speculate that that's actually the spirit of Morgoth living in these dragons. Yeah. So that's another kind of interesting detail as that, well. That is interesting. And, and
1: it reminds me of a recent enough podcast that we had where we where we talked about um, some of the scary creatures. And one of them was the, oh, what is the name of it? The hound that begins with C. I can't remember his name, but basically, well, do you remember? Ruan the hound? No, no, no. It was... Um, it was morgoth's like actual hound and he actually fed this hound parts of his own flesh and was like feeding
0: him his spirit and ah cuz i know that i think the quotes is something it fed him flesh from his hand or yeah. something i understood i understood that to be that he was holding like a steak or something <laughs> and he was just feeding him feeding him flesh like a steak but from his own hand
1: like that's how i understand that quote oh really well maybe i I doubt he's just like saying, here, eat
0: my hands. No, I, th- like I think crazy. that's what it
1: was. I think it was like... <laughs> I don't know. No, it was. It was something like, the because the whole quote, I can't remember the quote, but like, <laughs> I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here, but it was something like he fed him flesh from his own hand, uh, thus in, what, what <laughs> is it, like imbuing his spirit into him. Something like that. So I took it as like, he's literally feeding this dog some of his own spirit by giving him <laughs> flesh from his hand. That's what I, And then Morgoth's dog ate his arse <laughs> I don't know why we would give him his hand Like, yeah, I'd definitely give some of my arse If I had to give some part of it Yeah,
0: it would be like, here, you know I've I a few spare tires here You can you can have, have a go at them But don't eat me fingers, I need yeah. those To, you know,
1: control my palantir and stuff Well, I could be wrong So, like, if anyone wants to chime in on that Let us know <laughs> Is it an actual physical steak from Morgoth's hand Or is it Morgoth's
0: hand? yeah Medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Next question, Dave, is why didn't Sauron use the dragons in his attempt to cover all Middle-earth in darkness? Um, Or did he? I've, I feel like I, I've heard this before.
1: So I think one of... The reasons for I don't know does this fully answer the question but let's just look at Smog for instance and how uh, how we just kind of talked about it. he wasn't completely corrupt and he seemed like a, a easy enough going bloke I think nice guy yeah a nice a nice dude I think um, I remember from the Hobbit part of the reason that Gandalf wants to help the dwarves take over Erebor is because he wanted to defeat Smog because he feared that Sauron would be able to corrupt him and that was. That was one of Gandalf's motivation. So, mm. what, your question
0: was, why didn't he corrupt some? I don't. I'm not, not. Why didn't he corrupt them? But why didn't he use the dragons in his attempt to take over Middle Earth? Well, why didn't he command? Why didn't he command them, for example?
1: Well, I'm. Well, first of all, I I doubt he could just automatically snap his fingers and all the dragons would come out of their caves and just like bend mm-hmm. to his will. So, my guess is. Where we see Sauron fall in physical form, he was he had barely begun his journey in his takeover of Middle earth, so maybe that was the next thing on his to do list was to go and find these dragons wherever they are. And like, maybe he doesn't know about the dragons or where they exist. I know you're going to tell me all the answers, but I'm just like brainstorming here. But like, (laughs) maybe, maybe he doesn't know about the dragons and as soon as he were to find out he probably would try and corrupt them but then again like you suggested earlier maybe they are on the same level as him and they are just fallen my air so um,
0: mm. yeah yeah well not you've, you've done very well you've done very well surprisingly thank you uh, <laughs> well just like You've hit a few uh, good buttons there, so I'm going to just come back and like touch on each of them again. So Tolkien said in Unfinished Tales that Sauron and the dragon Smaug would, quote, certainly help each other, end quote, if they were not attacked simultaneously. So that sounds to me like Tolkien is saying that they could have formed a tactical alliance and not that Sauron would be ordering Smaug around after the Silmarillion was published. A lot of readers assumed that Sauron's relationship with the dragons was similar to that of Morgoth's. But as with the Balrogs, there's nothing in the Silmarillion to indicate that Sauron ever commanded any dragons. Mm. Morgoth used dragons to conquer many elven cities and commanded an army of them in the War of Wrath, which was the war between him and the Valar. And Sauron was not in a position of command at this time. So he never ordered the dragons around. Yeah. The dragons feared and worshipped Morgoth. Sauron was merely another of Morgoth's lieutenants, and he didn't even help the dragons in the final battles against the Valar. He left us to get destroyed. Why should we serve him would probably be the dragon's attitude. What do we need this guy for? we were doing just fine without him ordering us around for the last six and a half thousand years and now he wants to start giving us commands and calling himself the king of middle earth well (laughs) i don't know about middle earth but he's not the king of the dragons that's probably their opinion on that kind of situation sauron out (laughs) (laughs) they're bringing their signs and
1: batters yeah yeah no more sauron out and then you've got like a couple of um people like the witch king like Sauron's at the wheel. How good does it feel?
0: (laughs) Yeah, just blindly following Sauron. So basically, Smaug was sitting right in Erebor, practically on Sauron's doorstep when he was in Dol Guldur. So he formed an alliance with Smaug, but there's no indication he considered using any other dragons in any fashion. So also, remember, Sauron had many slaves, but no actual independent allies. So he might not have wanted to strike up a partnership with any dragons. Sauron probably considered himself above the dragons, but maybe knew that the dragons might not see things that way. And this would not rule out a tactical alliance between Smaug and Sauron, where each gained something. Smaug could gain massive amounts of loot from sacking Rivendell and Lorien, and Sauron would eliminate his enemies. So they had incentive to work together. And this is what Gandalf greatly feared, which you rightly said. So. um yeah, that's the main reason there as well. Again, Sauron, of course, assumes that he is the lord of all of the earth. But these dragons, they probably don't see things that way. And again, as we said, we're not really sure of their origins. If they were Maiar spirits, then they would have assumed that they were on the same level, really, as Sauron. So, um, yeah, that's yeah. the main, I, I, main thing there. I do think it's interesting
1: how um, you talked about, was it the War War of Wrath and... So basically, Sauron was another lieutenant to uh, Morgoth, which the dragons were kind of the same thing. So they were all kind of on the same wavelength. Is that correct?
0: No, I like Sauron was the main dude. He was the okay. main lieutenant under Morgoth. However, I don't really want to go into a lot of detail on the War of Wrath because yeah. it's a whole big spiel. But basically what you need to know is that there was a time where Sauron was basically caught and then he had to repent against Morgoth. And he did that. And he basically said, oh, I'm sorry. It was all Morgoth. It wasn't me. I'm innocent. Look, I'm going to be good now. And then and so at that time when the war, the War of Wrath was happening, Sauron wasn't even around. And that's why I was saying before earlier that the dragon's opinion might be that he left them uh, during the War of Wrath and he was like off hiding and he was pretending to be good. And uh, so... That's what was happening at that time. But there was definitely a time where Sauron was the main guy under Morgoth. He was yeah. the, the number the number two in command. Yeah, he was the interim, interim boss at the time. Yeah, but again, being the number two in command doesn't mean that he was commanding the armies of uh, dragons. Basically, some armies were being controlled by Balrogs, some were being controlled by dragons, and then Sauron probably was doing his own thing. But there isn't really any mentions of Sauron actually commanding the dragons. So that's something that we should try and realize that. We all think of Sauron as, you know, the main lord of Middle Earth, the main lord of the Ring, basically, and uh, we need to remember that was Morgoth. Morgoth was the main big baddie, yeah, and Sauron was his understudy, I suppose.
1: Yeah, it is cool when you when you kind of flesh out a lot of Tolkien's works, and you do realize that the the main big bad from the Lord of the Rings movies isn't really, you know, he's not he's not that big of a deal when you put things into perspective when you see sauron or sorry when you see morgoth and morgoth really was like the king of evil and he could command like everything that's remotely evil in middle earth but yeah sauron Hmm. is just kind of another guy in middle earth trying to make his way across the galaxy yeah (laughs) bit by bit (laughs) he's just trying to find himself yeah yeah he's going through those teenage years where he's like what am i Am I evil? (laughs) (laughs) Am I just another evil man's lieutenant? There is only one Lord of the Ring, and he does not share power.
0: So now we're going to take a closer look at individual dragons and their own stories, starting again with the most famous Smaug. So Smaug, as we all know, is Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what's the most famous thing of us about Spock poor, poor Benedict Cumberbatch as well you know he
1: did all the the motion capture as well yeah and yeah they just never they never used it though did they not use it? no I don't think so I think he just they used his voice of course um, yeah but I think he just showed up in a mocap suit and then they just didn't use it at all he was like writhing around on the ground but I don't think they was, used any yeah, of it and slithering around slithering around but yeah he just did all that for free fair play to him
0: Oh, well, he may be just trying to, you know, get his voice into the character of Smaug. And so Maybe, be like crawling yeah. around the place and letting his belly touch off the ground yeah. and stuff. So, um, but yeah, those those behind the scenes uh, images, are not images, the videos of Benjamin Cumberbatch are classic of him doing the voice. And yeah. while he's doing it, he's just proper crawling around on the floor and stuff. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, so anyway, Smaug, we know, is the main antagonist in the Hobbit book and he is, like all dragons, greedy and seeks wealth and gold and claims hordes of it whenever he can. In this case, it is the Lonely Mountain, or the Dwarf Kingdom of Erebor, which he attacks and takes control of 171 years prior to the events described in the novel. So, that's kind of cool, that when the story in The Hobbit opens up, uh, Smaug has already been like living and sleeping in his big fortress of gold for 171 years. Yeah. And just like, you know, chilling. So yeah, it uh, must be, I don't know, I've never looked at gold and thought that looks comfy to sleep on, but uh, it must have been, it must have been all right. Yeah. Would you ever have a nap on gold? I, I don't know. I don't think I could, but it
1: is. You've napped on worse? I'd I, i I'd like to, <laughs> I have napped on worse, but I'd love to be in a position where I could sleep on probably 20 trillion billion, I don't know, <laughs> worth of gold. It, it looks pretty, yeah, it looks pretty nice. I'd like to be in that position. And I like, I like, mm. I, I actually love all Smaug scenes in The Hobbit and just all the stuff that mm. they do. The way he just like goes in around it, kind of like the worm in uh, Dune, uh, just kind of like slithers around the gold. It looks quite nice and comfy, especially. Do you remember that scene where yeah. he kind of like opens his eye? He looks around, and he's still kind of asleep, but he closes, and he just kind of slides. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love It that. does look quite nice. Yeah, it does look quite nice. Mm. Actually, I agree with you. Mm. So gold is the new is the new uh, duvet. Yeah, I suppose. Do you think flattery will keep you alive?
0: No, 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 indeed. So anyway, yes, yeah, Smouth was a fire-breathing dragon, or also known as a fire drake, of the Third Age, considered to be the last great dragon of Middle-earth. He was drawn to the enormous wealth amassed by the dwarves of the Lonely Mountain during King Thror's reign, and he laid waste to the nearby city of Dale and captured the Lonely Mountain, driving the surviving dwarves into exile. So for a hundred and seventy one years Smaug hoarded the Lonely Mountain's treasure to himself, staying within the mountain until a company of dwarves managed to enter the Lonely Mountain and awaken him from his hibernation. Correctly believing that the dwarves had received assistance from the men of Lake Town in entering the Lonely Mountain, Smaug left the mountain to wreak destruction upon Lake Town, nearly destroying it before being slain by whom? Um by Bard. Bard the Bowman. Bard exactly. the Bargeman. <laughs> <laughs> lots of uh, lots of acronyms for uh, Bard. Lots of little names and monocles. Yeah, I, I always get mixed up with his name.
1: I'm like, is it Barge the Bardman or Bard the barge Man or <laughs> Bow the Bargeman?
0: <laughs> barge the Bowman. Yeah, so Bard is cool as well. Again, I really like his uh, representation in the Hobbit movie. So yeah. the Hobbit movies uh, have a lot of really good things in them. Again, as we said, the portrayal of Smaug. Uh, His voice is fantastic The way that they did that Also just visually He's incredible Like you just said there The way he even slithers Through the gold That's so cool as well And also I think Bard Was another You know Big highlight for The Hobbit movies I thought he was really Really cool Uh, Another thing with smog It just
1: kind of Popped into my head there. there That was a really cool scene When all the dwarves are trying to be as quiet as possible. And he's like slithering above them, like climbing over looking for the dwarves. And then they see all the coins like dripping off his belly. And just like landing Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was so cool. And you look up and you see all these coins that are just stuck to him. Because if you're sleeping on a yeah. pile of money. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, even if you sleep for five
0: minutes on a coin, uh,
1: it'll stick to you. But yeah, a couple of hundred years. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, if I took off my shirt and just lay down on a big pile of gold coins... They'll be all stuck to my sweaty belly. They will. <laughs> sweaty belly. What will you do now, Bowman? You are
1: forsaken. Smog. he was a hell of a dude. Yeah, Smog. He was tier one dragon. Big boy. By the way, Luke Evans in The Hobbit as, uh, as Bard. Have you ever seen those memes or those pictures that just say... Luke Evans looks more like Orlando Bloom than Orlando Bloom looks like Orlando. Yeah, Bloom. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, what he he looks he looks like Orlando Bloom in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Like the audacity to hire someone that looks more like Orlando Bloom than <laughs> Orlando Bloom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so it's funny. It's ridiculous. Not taking the hobbits to Isengard. Moving on to the next dragon and the next dragon is another one that I know you're going to be familiar with Dave, which is a dragon Ooh. called Glaurung. Yes. Only
1: familiar with him in the last year or so um mm. i think i've seen his name pop up before but from from reading the children of hurin um he does seem pretty cool in that book and he, he's he got some weird extra special abilities that i'm sure we're gonna hear all about now
0: oh we are oh we are oh, so we basically are. glaurung was known as the father of all dragons and he was created by melkor when he realized that the orcs alone were no match for the elves so, the father of dragons, uh, what he was called. So, he was the first the first dragon to ever appear. And the first sighting of Glaurung was in the year 260 of the First Age. So, wow. First Age, right at the beginning, 260 years in, uh, this dragon appears. Now, Morgoth first created him after suffering several defeats at the hands of the elves, and he knew he needed a greater weapon. He needed, He needed some big Middle-earth tank, <laughs> yeah. some big, like atomic bomb kind of thing he was like right I need something huge and it's like Dr. Evil being like I want sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads (laughs) so that was basically Morgoth I suppose Uh, so Morgoth started trying to develop great and terrible creatures and Glaurung was the result of his initial experimentations now he had no wings and he was known as the great worm worm is just another Tolkien term for dragon I suppose However, we should say that he did, in fact, walk on four legs like other dragons. Mm. There are some dragons which are even more worm-like, being that they have no legs. But uh, this one, even though he was called the Great Worm, he did have four legs. Um, When Glaurung first appeared, it was against the wishes of his master, who was at that time at war with the elves. Glaurung came out of his den and pushed the armies back. And despite being young and not nearly fully grown he won back some of his master's territory and left large portions of the terrain scorched. However, the elves quickly reclaimed this area and Glaurung retreated. After this, Morgoth was angry because his secret weapon had revealed himself too early, and so he kept Glaurung in his fortress for 200 years until he finally reached his full size. Whoa, poor lad. <laughs> but he's probably just in there, like, you know eating dragon food and you know dragon food they're called humans <laughs> <laughs> yeah eat this like you know they probably had like you know you can go to the supermarket and buy a can of dog food they probably had cans of dragon food yeah and uh you know he's in their trade and he was like jumping through fire hoops and stuff like that for a while and uh, it was a great time kind
1: of yeah it kind of reminds me of uh in game of thrones was the season six or season seven when daenerys was uh she like basically had the dragons locked up because they were too dangerous or whatever. Oh, no, that was, that was terrible. And that, that like, stunted their growth and everything. So, you know, Sauron, or Morgoth, he was, he wasn't happy that he revealed himself too quickly, but...
0: Yeah, but, the, but it wasn't that he locked them up and they stunted their growth. It was the opposite. He brought them back. Yeah. Ke- he, sorry, he brought, he brought, he brought him back and kept him in the fortress, but he kept them there because he wanted him to grow yeah, and to yeah. develop as, as a stronger being. And, uh, So then basically he brought him back and just like, you know, fed him and fed him and uh, trained him until he was big and strong. And the next time we see Glaurung was when he came forth during what was called the Battle of Sudden Flame. And now he is monstrous in size and strength. And he led Balrogs and orcs against the Noldor elves and their allies, winning many battles and scorching vast areas of land. So if you can imagine an army being led by a dragon, and at the front of the queue, behind the dragon, are just a whole host of Balrogs <laughs> and then orcs. That sounds absolutely terrifying. That sounds like
1: a some sort of modification on Battle for Middle Earth on the PC game. Someone's like, right, I'm gonna have twenty Balrogs and some dragons thrown in there. Yeah, yeah. But like Sauron, or I keep saying Sauron, Morgoth. If you if you love something, you just gotta let it go. Like yeah. you can't
0: just tie them up forever. No, no, but no, this is when he came out, this is when he let him out. I this know. when he like unle- this when he unleashed him. Yeah, it was like Morgoth's Morgoth's wet dream they've been thinking about for two hundred years. He's like, Oh, we're gonna well, have gonna a lo- lovely battle. Lovely battle, there's gonna be a load of orcs in front for them, a line of Balrogs, and in the pi- pinnacle in the middle, uh, a dragon, which had never existed. <laughs> and so like can you imagine yeah, that? That's pretty like, cool. Again, it was it was it was called the battle of sudden flame because like the elves and the men are just there, oh do to do, do a normal battle, you know kill all the stupid orcs but you know be careful for the Balrogs then suddenly it's like oh my god what the hell is that yeah. thing? It's this giant beast going around breathing fire and they were like um, this is new this yeah. is new for us this wasn't in the blueprint <laughs> In another famous battle known as the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Also, Tolkien always had class names for battles. What a name. Battle of Sudden Flame, the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Anyway, uh, (laughs) this was another union of men and elves and dwarves when they marched upon Angband, the infamous fortress of Morgoth. Oh, yeah. On the third day of fighting, Glaurung came to the battle and he would have wiped out the entire army if it hadn't been for the dwarves whose armor was better prepared to withstand the heat and fire of the dragon. Cool. They surrounded the dragon, hacking at him with their axes, until Glaurong struck down their dwarven lord, Azegal. and when the dragon crawled over him, the dwarf drove a knife into his belly, causing Glaurung, along with many beasts, to flee back to Angband, leaving the Balrogs to finish the fighting. Here is where the great animosity between dwarves and dragons first started, oh. which we see coming out in the Hobbit movies as well between Smaug and those dwarves. Yeah, they really don't don't get along. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, the Smaug can smell them, and he he's all on about
0: like how he hates the stench of dwarves. Hmm. So that was the beginning of it. this dwarven lord that stabbed him in the belly. Now that dwarven lord died like immediately afterwards, but he get, he got a good stabbing. Um, <laughs> Do the dwarves have any? friends at all like it seems like and
1: that's when the dwarves and the hobbits started to not get along <laughs> this is, yeah. and this is when a thrush and the dwarves started to hate <laughs> each other and
0: yeah and now like can you imagine if like axes started to hate the no, dwarves be like, <laughs> no.
1: and that's when height started to hate the dwarves
0: <laughs> and they shrank So in a following battle years later, Glaurung sacks the city of Nargothrond and becomes Dragon King for a time in this city. Now, as you said earlier, he features heavily in the book The Children of Hurin, and he is the arch foe for the principal character, Turin. Mm. And when Turin comes to the destroyed city of Nargothrond to face him, we see his unusual powers for the first time. Turin looks into the eye of Glaurung and is immediately cast under his spell and freezes. Yeah. Glaurung laughs and taunts Turin, who later wakes up feeling like he's waking from a nightmare. Glaurung acknowledges Turin's bravery and courage and releases him from the spell and lets him live. But all the time, he toys with him and he feeds him false information to torture him. Years later, Turin's sister comes face to face with the dragon And as with Turin, he puts her under his spell, but this time he wipes her memory and leaves her in the wild with no idea who she is or even how to speak. Yeah. Now, Glaurung is eventually slain by Turin, but there are a whole load of twists and turns which I don't want to spoil because it's definitely a book worth reading. So um, that was some of the cool powers of Glaurung, that he actually wiped the memory and the mind of Turin's sister, which was awesome. So yeah, that's Glaura. And they're pretty unique. Like when you look at, obviously
1: Tolkien didn't invent dragons and he probably took a lot of inspiration from like Norse mythology and I don't know, wherever dragons come from. Um, But... Japan. Yeah, Japan. yeah, <laughs> That's right. But like, you know, obviously you've got typical things like flying and breathing fire and like likes to hoard gold and all that kind of stuff. But... I remember reading the children Huron and seeing this. I think there's the the book I have. There's pictures in it as well. And it looks like a big toad kind of coming out and being able to like free someone by looking into their mind. And I just thought that was cool. How, you know, Turin was like tormented by just looking into the eyes of the beast. And yeah, it's class. Yeah, it's just like an extra little thing that you wouldn't. I don't know. You wouldn't expect from a from a dragon. These, these kind of abilities. Mm.
0: Yeah, they are really cool, but we can see that's why we're saying that we don't know that maybe they could be Maiar these dragons because they have these weird abilities and like it's not like a normal power for any other just like normal being chilling on Middle Earth to be able to you know put cast you under their hypnotic uh, control and be like yeah three two one sleep with their little clock yeah. like ticking over like look at my clock you're asleep now you're going to wet your pants and Keith Barry style exactly yeah i think like
1: um there must there must be more to that that theory of dragons being some sort of fallen mire because how Mm. many other uh how many other beings in middle earth can actually channel some sort of magic and i know i know if you look at like any human's everyone seems to have some sort of ability in Middle-earth like you know if it, like Faramir and his dreams or Baramir and his dreams and then Aragorn he's got like lists of you know special things so everyone's kind of got their own level of of like little magic things but like when it comes to actually being able to corrupt other people or freeze people or you know mentally like Glaurung was able to wipe the memory of somebody else so like that's
0: that sounds like Maia level magic like yeah it's pretty sick it's pretty class um and yeah, there are plenty of debates online. If you go to like Reddit, there's loads of like Reddit forums where people will have like debates of like uh, why they what uh, arguments for and against being Meyer, which I definitely recommend you should go and check out if you want to be a complete nerd. I will do that. <laughs> so, Dave, uh, just want to interrupt our episode on the dragons to say or to ask you: Have you seen all the people tagging us in their Spotify Wrapped this week?
1: Yeah, way too many. No, I'm only joking. Way more than I thought, though. Like, it's it's class. There, there's been so many people that have h- had our podcast as their number one listen to podcast for the year, which is incredible.
0: And it's so cool. Yeah, it's so cool to see so many of our listeners actually, like, not just tuning into the episodes, but having listened to so many that it's coming up as their, like, number one thing on Wrapped. So that was awesome. Yeah, that was, that was great. And, like, I, I think it is quite hilarious when
1: you see... You've got someone with their number one podcast being something like, I don't know, NBC News. And then, like, you've got some sort of crime documentary below that. And then you've got, like, science with Bill Nye. And then number four on the list is the Melonheads talking about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> 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 it, it is, yeah, it is yeah, funny. Yeah. But, like, you know, people have their priorities. I
0: understand that. But, um, people who want to be up to date on the you know the the latest scientific discoveries the the current affairs of the world you know the financial details of what's going on in the world uh, and the melon heads and their views on lord of the rings and dragons and things like that so that's cool
1: i mean we we talk about current events when it when it comes to lord of the rings we talk about science when it comes to lord of the rings and middle earth geography and, yeah yeah um
0: exactly yeah Murder. you guys are learning
1: <laughs> i'm learning <laughs>
0: yeah Yeah. (laughs) so also it's a good time to remind all of our listeners and to all of you guys please uh, continue to do this Uh, please continue to share the podcast please subscribe uh, if you haven't already done so Um, listening to the podcast thank you so much for listening but also if you could leave a five-star review if you could leave a comment I think maybe you have that option depending on uh, which uh, platform you use But uh, also subscribing really, really helps us out with our algorithms. So that would be hugely appreciated. Yes. Thank you very much, guys. Please do. My friends, you bow to no one. Uh, Let's get back to our dragons. And the next dragon I want to speak to you about, Dave, is a guy, a big dude, called Ancalagon the Black. Now, Mm. have you ever heard of Ancalagon the Black? I
1: have, but I don't really know that much information. I think the first time. I'm sure
0: you know one thing. I know
1: it's it's the biggest dragon that's ever been, right? Yeah, yeah. That's He's a big old, big old boy. And actually, that's something I kind of want to bring up as well. When, when there's that famous picture of all the well, I don't know if it's all the dragons, but like maybe five or six dragons, and it's kind of like to scale. And Smaug is down at the bottom as the smallest. Yeah, and then Ancaligon or was it Ancaligon? And Calagon. And, yeah. and Calagon is like I don't know, like ten times the size of Smog, like literally in in or more, or yeah, more, yeah. But I've always thought like Glaurung is bigger than Smog in that scale. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah. but when you look at like when you read the Children of Hurin and you look at all the kind of pictures of Glaurung, he just he doesn't look that huge. Like he's a big, big toad. Looking creature.
0: Well, it depends. It depends on the on the version that you're reading, and like, I mean, it, it, I don't know which illustrations you've seen in the book. That I, you I feel like I've I've seen a good few. Like on the
1: book, that was like my first image, and he just kind of looked like a, I don't know, like he he was a big beast, but he didn't look anything in comparison to Smaug. Smaug, like his belly could crush like an army, whereas Glaurung seemed like he his mouth was enough to just eat one person if you know what i mean and like and i've se- and i've seen a few different images as well not just in the book like i have seen other ones where he just looks like this big big toad but i know i'm wrong because that scale is you know is whatever
0: yeah um i don't know about that like cuz them um... Like there, there's definitely a lot of other images that would beg to differ, and I think it's a. Uh, I think we should consider that Glaurung was bigger than uh, Smaug. Smaug, yeah. Um, because there is a part in the Children of Hurin where it says that there was this great ravine, and Glaurung was crossing over the great, great ravine, and basically underneath. Well, if it, so, Turin was waiting for him in the ravine. He's looking up, and basically his belly covers the entire ravine. Okay, so okay. it's like. He's 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 pretty massive. Yeah. Uh, and he, yeah, we should remember that he is quite huge and he is the father of all the dragons. Like he's the mm. the, the daddy. I I, I think
1: the, when an image sticks in your head, you kind of you just think of that. Yeah. I, I think that scale threw me off.
0: No, you can't. Especially reading a book. Yeah. Yeah. Bit, well, no, the scale is probably fairly accurate. I would mm. say if you're reading the book, maybe what whoever was the illustrator for that version of the book, maybe they had some idea of him in their mind maybe. and they drew him that way. You know, it really depends because there's loads of different illustrations, I suppose. But anyway, back to Ancalagon the Black. He was huge. Mm. He was huge. Um, Now, he was bred by Morgoth in the first stage. And he was the greatest dragon in the history of Middle-earth. His size and his strength was beyond anything ever seen. So you could imagine, you said like 10 times. I'd say more like 50 to 100 times his size. He's pretty big. And he is huge. Uh, He only had a short appearance in Tolkien's lore in the War of Wrath again and in that War of Wrath he temporarily drove off the forces of all the Valar but he was eventually slain in this battle as well. Now he was so massive in size that when he fell during this battle he landed on a mountain group called Thangorodrim which consisted of the three tallest mountains in all of Middle-earth and Uh, it is said that he crushed these mountains. Like all three mountains, (laughs) which... uh, Now also, I've looked into it and said that these mountains were estimated to be about five miles across each. My God.
1: uh, How does he even crush them with with his wings or his body? Because, you know, obviously his wingspan is so much bigger.
0: Yeah, but if you look him up online, you'll see some images. There's one famous image of these like... they weren't just mountains as well. They were kind of like um, volcanoes, all three of them. They were these huge volcanoes. And there's some images online of like these three big volcano peaks and him just kind of like lying on top, spread across all three of them, kind of like Mm -hmm. zigzagging in between them and like his wings just kind of coming down over the edges, which is kind of cool. But he was basically, he's a big boy. Um, And if he hadn't been killed, he probably could have destroyed the world with his fire and the wrath of his wings. So that's also something that's mentioned. Oh my God. It's also worth mentioning that when Ancalagon appeared along with many other winged dragons, this was the first appearance of flying dragons in Middle-earth. So again, like I said before, imagine when we were speaking about Glaurung, you could imagine that the guys were coming into battle, the men and the elves and the dwarves, and suddenly these this dragon, this one individual huge dragon just appeared who could breathe fire. They were like, oh my God, this is crazy. Then... Fast forward a few years to the end of the first stage and there's this war with the Valar and suddenly this whole host of flying dragons being led by Ancalagon, this enormous dragon, a black dragon came out and like, yeah. that must have been Imagine. a whole new level of holy shit. <laughs> Imagine like
1: preparing for battle and like hearing leaked news of the, en- the, the enemy's army and they're just being told so uh, i think they might have a dragon and it's like oh okay yeah we saw one of those a good few years back but thank god they don't fly <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah yeah it's like when you're when you're when there's a game kicking off and you're like checking the the lineup sheet for the
0: for the other team you're like who are they who are they starting i wonder is yeah. a striker like oh my god that that looks like is that a dragon? Oh my god! There's loads of dragons. Wait a minute! <laughs> These dragons have wings. What the hell
1: is going on here? It's like this is unfair. Yeah, it's like playing against Liverpool and finding and just being like, right. So the team news is leaked, and apparently Salah's injured, and I know Diogo Dalo has or whatever his name is has COVID, and blah blah blah. And next thing, they're all starting. You're like, oh no! <laughs> but then
0: also, they have a full team of Salas, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're just like more like
0: old Salas. Yeah. So yeah, that's Ancalagon He's a he's a bit of a bashed. Beige. Prepare for battle! So, moving on to our next dragon on the list, and this dragon is a guy called Scatha, or maybe Shatha. I think, I'm not sure. Of the, I'm, I shattered the bed what? last night. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think there's some debate on the correct pronunciation of his name, but anyway, I don't really care. It's ri- it's written Scatha, so I'm going to pronounce it that way. So Scatha was one of the greatest of the long worms that infested the Grey Mountains in the north of Middle Earth, mm. an area north of Mirkwood and Erebor. His title of Long Worm is maybe misleading, and we don't know, for instance, if he actually had legs or not. He was probably long, considering <laughs> he was a long worm. But as to the exact meaning of worm, we can't completely say if he was exactly worm-like. As I mentioned before, Glaurung was called the Great Worm and he definitely, we know, had four legs. Yeah, and it seems to be like,
1: do you remember when... uh Bilbo calls Smaug a worm. It it seems to be... Hmm. I You mentioned at the start of this podcast, it's like a word Tolkien uses for, for dragons or to maybe even insult dragons. It's kind yeah, of like a, yeah, a big worm. An, a dragon insult. It's like a derogatory term.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And also there's another point where he, uh, Tolkien uses the word serpent to describe a dragon. And uh, again, he's not saying that he looks like a snake, but yeah. well, maybe he is. Because, like, I mean... Their, their heads would be similar but uh, it doesn't mean that like snakes that are legless it would have to be exactly the same way it's just another word that you kind of use like you said worm there. I love Tolkien like it's just so class because nobody yeah. would think to do that just write, writing a book and
1: just using a word that doesn't really make sense in its meaning but like yeah, you have to look at it almost as like a history book, and you're like, well, yeah, yeah. Back in, back in Middle Earth days, like, you know, worm didn't mean what it means here. It's like,
0: exactly, yeah. Because when you read this, it's like he was a great worm. Oh, well, he must have been you're like, no, no, we need to, let's look into the etymology yeah. of the word worm, like, according to Tolkien. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of like,
1: so and he doesn't care to explain, he doesn't need to explain because all these years later, we're like, it just must have been a derogatory way to call a dragon you're like that's such well, a
0: I'm gonna start I'm gonna start calling people worms now <laughs> yeah. on
1: but it's such an in-universe thing like you, you wouldn't have that in Yeah, I know, in, yeah. A, in a modern fantasy I, I don't think unless it was like explained like well dragons don't like being yeah. called worms but yeah it yeah, is a flashback to like an exact scene <laughs> of a dragon First, the first time he was called a worm he's like hey <laughs> I don't like that flash <laughs> forward back to the current time and now was like you're worm yeah. like oh I get that reference yeah exactly yeah Audiences need to be spoon-fed now, but back in the day... Hey, you witless worm!
0: Little is known of this dragon, Scatha, apart from him claiming a great hoard of dwarven gold and eventually being slain by a guy called Fram of the and mm. Now, the Eothade were a group of people who would become the ancestors of the Rohirrim. Very cool. Now, this dragon also in terms of his size he was probably more or less the size of Smaug maybe a little bit bigger and after Fram slew the monster and claimed the dragon's hoard as his own the dwarves of that region also laid claim to the treasure of course you know um, cheeky dwarves mm-hmm. but Fram rebuked the claim instead sending them the teeth of the dragon along with the message jewels such as these you will not match in your treasuries for they are hard to come by this rebuke angered the dwarves, and it was rumored that they killed Fram because of it. Oh, poor Fram. So, um, Fram, yeah. not just uh, not just a dragon slayer, but a shit stirrer as well. <laughs> Fram Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> and after after his death, uh, this this great city of the Aethed, this people like basically the uh, the early day Rohirrim, they had this cool city, and they named it after Fram. If you were naming a city after someone called Fram, what would you call it? For me, I was like, Fram-a-lot. That would be, that'd be class. Fram San Francisco.
1: Wait, no. <laughs> San Francisco. <laughs> what else can we do? Uh, Fram Diego. I don't know why. I can only think of California places. Uh,
0: anyway, uh, they call the city Framsburg. Oh, okay. It's also pretty cool.
1: Really? That just sounds so not Middle-earth. It sounds very earth. I know, yeah. Sounds like Framsburg. definitely
0: from Germany. Like yeah. you know, Framsburg. In between uh, Frankfurt and uh, Strasbourg. Yeah.
1: Camelot. 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 It's only a model.
0: Anyway, that is the story of the dragon Scatha. Now we have another dragon known as the Fire Drake of Gondolin. Ooh, cool. So this dude, obviously he features in the fall of Gondolin in 510 of the First Age it is said that he arrived in the city of Gondolin carrying many Balrogs on his back. Oh my God. <laughs> so can you imagine just being like one of the men of Gondolin or one of the elves, I suppose, of Gondolin and just being like, this battle's going quite well. <laughs> oh, wait, what's that? Oh my God. <laughs> is that a dragon
1: carrying Balrogs? Oh, this uh, is horrible. That's, that furthermore adds to the proof that Balrogs didn't have wings
0: as well. Like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe they're just being lazy. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe their wings are just crap. <laughs> That's, for any of our listeners that aren't aware, there's a big debate in the Tolkien community around whether or not Balrogs had wings. But uh, we shall not get into that today. That's for another time. So during this battle, the dragon came up against Ecthelion, who was an elf, and Tur, who was a man, and also the cousin of Turin. Mm. Now, Tur... Huge the foot of the dragon with his sword, at which the fire drake was said to sprout flames and scream, lashing his tail and killing many orcs and gondothlim, which were the elves of Gondolin. Oh, that's a cool. Name. In this moment. Yeah, it's classic. Gondothlum. And I am one of the Gondothlum. <laughs> so in this moment, Tur and Ecthelion were actually able to escape from the beast. So that's nice. Mm, very nice. Uh, and then this this uh, dragon, his death is actually unknown. We don't know much about that. So, yeah.
1: I did not look to see you so easily outwitted. You have grown slow and fat. Slug.
0: The next and the final dragon that I'm going to speak about is called the Great Cold Drake. Uh, Now, it's not Drake the Rapper, but uh, Drake was, again, another term that we used for dragons back in Tolkien's day. Cold Drakes were dragons that lacked the great power of all Middle-earth's most infamous dragons, the ability to breathe fire. Ah. Nonetheless, they were strong foes with iron-hard scales, wicked claws, bold tails, and terrible fangs. Though most did not survive the War of Wrath at the end of the First Age, Some escaped eastward and remained in the far north above the Grey Mountains. As the millennia passed, the cold drakes multiplied and became a serious threat to the dwarves in the late Third Age. That's Third Age. That's what we're all familiar Mm with, uh, where Lord of the Rings takes place. Now, Thorin Oakenshield's great-grandfather, Dane I, ruled an area in the Grey Mountains, but his reign was plagued by attacks from dragons. That must have sucked. Yeah. So eventually, both he and his son, Fror, were slain at the gates of their own hall by a gigantic cold drake. With the ongoing attacks of these fierce creatures, the majority of the dwarves decided to migrate eastwards from the Grey Mountains. So that's kind of cool as well that we have like one of these great uh, cold drake uh, dragons gets this big kill on Thorn uh, Oakenshield's great granddad. Mm and he's like got him Um, (laughs) so again it's kind of cool like you you hear about all these different types of dragons and I like that when Tolkien was obviously writing these stories he wasn't just like and then it was the greatest dragon ever to kill so and so he was like I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a big kill to a little a little dragon that can't even breathe fire one of of my cold drinks he's gonna he's gonna get a big kill under his belt so I love that as well yeah so cool it's pretty cool I know the smell and taste of dwarf no one better so, Dave, after looking at all of our different dragons there, I have a question for you. Ooh. Do dragons have gender in Lord of the Rings? What do you think? Are they can, can you have male and female dragons? Oh, this...
1: Whatever the answer to this is, I know I'm going to be kicking myself because I feel like... Well, the fact that you're asking me this question, I'm going to say no because... Um, I don't think you'd be asking me if it was like, yes, there's male and
0: female. So you're saying that the dragons just spring out of the ground <laughs> like like young dwarves. Well,
1: like we said at the start of the podcast that they, we don't know where exactly they came from, but they're most likely corrupted beasts. So I suppose it could have been a female beast or a male beast that were corrupted. But I'm just guessing that you can't, you can't breed. Oh, you wait, we did talk about breeding at the start of the podcast as well. Okay, no, I'm going to change my answer. Yes, there's male and female dragons and I have no evidence.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but very good. No, you've, you've thought it out there. You've thought it out quite well, in fact. So yes, we, all, we, we do know that dragons bred and that Morgoth bred them in order to change their abilities and change their styles. And basically to, he uh, bred them so that they had wings and that these dragons kind of evolved and that's through breeding. Now, I have a quote here. That's from the the first chapter of The Hobbit, which is, I don't see that this will help us much, said Thorin, disappointedly, after a glance. I remember the mountain well enough and the lands about it. And I know where Mirkwood is and the withered heath where the great dragons bred. So that's a quote from Thorin in The Hobbit. And there he's clearly saying that this is an area where dragons were being Mm. bred or where dragons were breeding. It's like the motel for dragons. (laughs) (laughs) So Tolkien never mentioned if the dragons were sexual or asexual. However, you can probably make an assumption that there were female dragons laying eggs based on the following. This is another quote from Unfinished Tales, part three. Um, The chapter, The Quest of Erebor. What, cried Gloyne, one of those simpletons down in the shire? What use on earth or under it could he possibly be? Let him smell as he may. He would never dare to come within smelling distance of the nakedest dragon net new from the shell. So, obviously, there, Gloyne is not happy when he hears that Bilbo is being chosen to be a part of their team, I suppose. And he is saying that the nakedest dragon net new from the shell, basically, would be able to smell him. So, um... That there would make us assume that dragons uh, came from shells Mm. And shells would come from lady dragons Mm. And the birds and the bees and all that kind of stuff So uh, that would be the answer to that question So yeah, Yeah, there you go pretty cool There are female dragons out there laying eggs Can you imagine stumbling upon a nest of dragon's eggs? Yeah I wonder
1: if they look like the Game of Thrones ones as well It's just like an egg covered in scales
0: Yeah Dragon's eggs, Daenerys The ages have turned them to stone but they will always be beautiful. So, final question for you, Dave, is do you think we'll see any dragons in the upcoming Lord of the Rings on Prime series? And if so, which of the dragons mentioned in today's episode would you like to see on the screen? Yeah,
1: um, interesting that you brought that up because my mind went to the Amazon series when we talked about one specific dragon in particular. Uh, Mm -hmm. And to be honest, it's the one that I don't even remember its name. I think it begins with a Uh, the one. Glaurum? No, 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 not that one. the The second, the second last one before the cold drakes. Uh, who did we have? We had um Scatha, or as we had the fire drake of Gondolin. Uh, maybe, it was, maybe it was the fire drake of Gondolin. It was the one that we that you, we don't know about its death, and yeah, that's the one. Yeah, the the fire drake of Gondolin. Mm, that leaves a lot to be desired in terms of. Uh, we talked about last week how the blue wizards they could show up in the mm. series and it's because we don't know a lot about them we don't know where they ended up and sure um you know obviously they'll be a, they'll be adapting a lot in the in in the amazon series but i think they'll want to have some characters that don't have a beginning middle and end uh, certainly ones that we don't know where mm. they ended up and that'll be something to surprise viewers that are already fans of tolkien so
0: yeah so this dave's talking about the dragon that was kind of like the taxi service for the balrogs yes. yeah he sounds like yeah, a badass
1: that, like, it could it could be cool to see him. Um, I don't know how much they'll show of, like, what he did, what we know of being a taxi service to the Balrogs, but just the fact that we don't know <laughs> what happened to that dragon, it means maybe it could show up uh, later in the series and someone could kill it and it could be just new canon because Tolkien never specified how it died or what happened to it. Uh, again, we mm. could also see cool flashbacks to the, uh, what is it, the War of Wrath? Yeah, we could see flashbacks to the War of Wrath, which could be cool. Um I would love to see I would love oh, to man. see a five imagine a five, like even just a 10 second uh, montage of of Caligan dying on the mountains that would be cool. Just just to see what oh. what they could do with it, but
0: I I'd love to see like a kind of an almost like Avengers assemble moment but for dragons yeah. where <laughs> these like all the dragons just like Dragons assembled, yeah. and they're all just like, Rah! and the dragons just appear, and all of the like Valar and the other armies are just like, oh my god, what the hell are those? Things? Yeah,
1: but I, I definitely, be awesome. I definitely think, um, you know, that that was just one dragon that we could speculate on. But I think no matter what they do mm. in this series, it seems like whatever about season one. Season one is probably just going to be introducing us to the world and it's going to be incredible and blah 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 but then by the time season two comes around we're already used to this world we're going to need some big i don't know something big in it so it could be the blue wizards and maybe season three will be like a dragon i think they're just going to keep adding in some sort of tolkien beast or tolkien thing that we haven't seen on the screen before so i'd be very surprised if we don't see a dragon in five seasons of this show
0: yeah now most of the dragons that I spoke about today were in the first age yeah. which we kind of know is not going to feature much in this series at least initially at least in the first yeah. uh, bits of information that we know we don't know like we've got five seasons already signed off so maybe a couple of years down the road maybe a couple of seasons down the road they'll say okay this season now we're going to tackle some some things from the first age." so we don't know but again just because these dragons that I mentioned were mainly in the first age, that doesn't mean the dragons didn't exist into the second and into the third exactly. age. They, they did, of course. But a lot of them did die in the War of Wrath and uh, a lot of the big dudes, I suppose. But then, of course, well, Smaug was uh, the great was probably one of the final gracious dragons. And he was there until basically just before the Lord of the Rings started and when the Hobbit was there. Again. Hmm. So, um, yeah, we had dragons all the time. And as I said... Thorne's great-grandfather was killed by a dragon as well not a fire-breathing one but he was killed by uh, a cold drake so there were all of these different types of dragons that were still around the place during the second age which is when probably most of this lord of the rings on prime series is going to take place so that's definitely something to be a little bit excited for maybe we're not going to see glauron the father of dragons or and the black the greatest and the largest of all the dragons you never know but uh yeah, like, possibly not, but you know we can still get excited for what they're what they're going to do. Yeah, of course, and they could also invent a dragon that's
1: just completely
0: yeah, of different. And
1: of they could just say it was in a different part of the world, and no one would be upset. Well, I wouldn't be upset with that because that's totally plausible. Obviously, Tolkien didn't specify and say these are the only dragons that existed. Blah 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 blah. No, no, no. Of course not. Um, of course and not. also, if if you guys have listened to our interview with Fellowship of the Fans, he. He talked about it really depends on what rights the show has. So maybe we won't see anything from the first age just just because of the rights um, that Amazon have to. They only have it seems like they only have the second age rights. But maybe if they ever acclaim those rights for the first age we might see it in later seasons we might see some dragons we might see some yeah of course they could they
0: could acquire those rights in a couple of years yeah. or they could like come back in you know uh season three season four and say you know what we really want to look at the, this one particular story and acquire the rights to one character or something yeah. like that. so uh so yeah
1: or just just a, a book itself if they acquire the rights to the children of hurin but like none of the other things around it maybe they could just talk about that and they could use Glaurung and yeah I don't know don't it's, do it, it's, it's so exciting mm. can't wait to yeah, see yeah it's exciting to speculate yeah.
0: but uh, it'll be more exciting to see yes indeed you are mistaken oh Smaug chiefest and <laughs> greatest of calamities you have nice manners for a there you go guys that's it for another week on the council of elrond we hope you've enjoyed today's episode and that you've learned a couple of things about the great dragons of middle earth these fearsome beasts bred by the dark lord morgoth were truly awesome and terrifying creatures thanks to all our listeners for getting in touch as usual on our social medias which you can find below in the podcast info section and a special thank you to our ongoing supporters on our buy me a coffee account a quick note to those sponsors There have been some changes to the Buy Me A Coffee account deal and they no longer work with PayPal. So if you sponsor us via PayPal, please check your settings and update them to Stripe or another payment method if you wish to continue being the Gimli to our Legolas. That's all for now, folks. We'll speak to you again soon.